Hello everyone, and thank you for the download. It's Thursday, September 16th, and this is episode 40 of the Marty Called Podcast. I'm Tim Grassy, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Assault Nasaki. What's up, Josh? I don't know the difference between a hippie and a hipster, but it's fun to watch either one of them get beat up. <laughs> and a man uh, who, my, my old intro last, last week or last episode says, I'm surprised it's still talking to me. So we'll just stick with that one. Skipper Ben, what's up, Ben? You know, Germany decided to go to war one time, and guess who they picked as the opponent? The world. I miss Norm. Yeah, we all miss Norm. That's yep. sad news. Uh, but we are we are not here to uh, uh, to to mourn the loss of Norm Macdonald. Uh, although he does have some Disney ties, there aren't many of them, but there are some some good Norm Disney jokes, and we may put one or two of those at the end of the show. Um, but I think uh, it's, it's fair to say a comedy idol of the three of ours. Without a doubt. Yeah. Um, we have our Animal Kingdom build-out show, but we have some news items that we want to hit ahead of that. Uh, the biggest of which, I think, are the new annual passes that they are not calling uh, Magic Keys or anything like that. They are. They did come up with another equally stupid name with the uh, was it Incredi Pass and the various other pass names to replace what was there previously. For the Florida residents that want to go over Thanksgiving or Christmas, uh, this is a huge price hike. Um, for those that don't care about that, it's just a large price hike. There's a, there's a difference. <laughs> I think the, the huge price hike for the Florida residents that want to go every day of the year, I think it's about a 50% increase, if I'm not mistaken, whereas every other one is about 10 to 15%, which is certainly not insignificant. Um, Ben, you did not have an annual pass in the last trip. Nope. I don't know how you took this news uh, as a DVC holder because it hits you there as well. It's a big hike, uh, you know, compared to what the DVC are normally used to paying. And yes, I know there's going to be uh, other people out there saying that DVC is a ripoff, blah, 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 this and that. Uh, yeah, whatever. I, uh, I'm that person. <laughs> well, uh, and for, for current DVC, yes, I totally agree. We bought in so long ago, though, that we... Uh, you know, I feel like we've made up for uh, whatever the investment was. We we bought in very low, but also what has come with that over time is all of the benefits have just gone out the window, and this is another one of those to where, uh, you know, we're paying a several a couple hundred dollars more, nearly three hundred dollars more, I believe, uh, per ticket um, for for our DVC level passes. Uh, now, granted, we when we go, our trips are so long that uh, it's still going to be we'll come out ahead by buying the pass, and that's that's just what you have to do at this point is just really sit down and do the math, yeah, do the math, figure out is this worth it, is it not worth it. Before, when we were the gold passes, you know, it was at such a low level that it was pretty much a no brainer if we if even if we were going to just do one trip, uh, but we'd always piggyback two or three trips in. Now, I think it's getting closer to having to spend. 10 days in the park, you, you've got to get two trips in to really kind of get that value back out of it. Two trips of eight days or more. Eight days, yep. Before and we go, it was two trips of four days or more. Yep, yep. And we tend to go That's about roughly double. 10 days each trip. Uh, and usually when we have a pass, we do find ourselves going for a long weekend in in the fall to go for, for Halloween. We, we love sure. doing that. So, uh so I you know, we'll still come out ahead based on our normal trip patterns. Uh, it doesn't make spending that extra money per person any easier to swallow because it definitely does not feel my the value is just not what it was. Uh, but 
you know, this is the new Disney company. This is what we have to deal with. This isn't going to be the only thing that's going to be hiked up in price, and it's going to go up even more. Uh, Next year, the price is going to go up. Following year, it's going to go up again. We just know that's what they do. So, you know, know, when are we all going to be priced out? Throughout your explanation there, you kept saying that it's what we have to do. And I can't help but think that that is the attitude of management because oh, – And it's wrong, yep. by the way. No yep. one has to. Um, there is increasingly strong alternatives available to that. And yep. uh, I hope to God that it, that they I, – I hope this administration feels the pain because they are so abusive and hostile toward their customers that yep. it makes me go from being Their best sort customers. Of, uh, yeah, I, yep. I've they've moved me from apathetic to downright hostile toward them. They the the loyalty is not relevant anymore. Yeah, no. you were right there. I, I should have said this is what we have to do if we want to go there. Yeah, yep. That and that's there's definitely that qualifier there. And we've spent a lot of time, on, especially in these last few episodes, of what the competition's doing to really even things out. Uh, and that's not even just from the theme park world. I mean, you, you know, w- with my wife being a travel agent, we do cruises and stuff. And I know cruises are a little questionable right now during a pandemic. But I can tell you that cruise lines are giving fantastic deals to get people on their boats. So if it is something that you wanted to do, you I, you can do like three or four cruises for the price of one Disney trip now. Sure. And I'm not joking whatsoever. That's how ridiculously cheap some of these other alternatives are. And I think what... Disney has to be careful as people are going to start testing some of these alternatives and they might find an issue that people like the alternatives and might not come back or at least not come back to the extent that they used to do. So, uh, yeah, I, I, like any of us, I hope this really bites them in the ass at some point. Um, I think what's going to happen is people are, people are still going to go to Disney, even those annual pass holders. They're just going to make different choices with where they're spending their money. And, if the annual pass is at a certain price point, then all right, maybe they do get the annual pass. But again, they're staying off property and they're doing multiple yep. trips and and making those choices where Disney uh, on the surface saying, oh, well, annual pass uh, sales ha- haven't dropped off. But you see some trailing indicators where, all right, resort, uh, resort bookings are down or uh, restaurant bookings are down, merchandise sales are down, all of those things where people are making cuts elsewhere. And to your point on cruises as well, uh, Disney Cruise Line, by most people's accounts, is the gold standard in the industry, at least for those Caribbean cruises. But we were pricing it for our family next summer. And for my sister, it was more reasonable instead of doing a four or five day, I think she wanted to do a five day Disney trip. Uh, on a, on the Disney Cruise Line or a seven day on Norwegian, and on the seven day on Norwegian, they're getting two rooms as opposed to the one that they would have got on Disney. So it was I, a no brainer. I've been on, I've been on those boats, uh, mm-hmm. and I can tell you, especially on the Royal Caribbean and definitely on the Norwegian side, um, they know who their competition is, mm-hmm. and they're doing they're they're doing exactly what Universal is doing in the theme park world. They're going, what are the things that make Disney stand out over us? And a lot of it is the way they cater to the the children. Mm-hmm. And these boats are putting in things that I, I've done a Disney cruise as well. Uh, these boats are putting in awesome stuff that Disney does not offer. The The cruise that we're booked for in February has a two-story go-kart track on the top of the yeah, boat. It's ridiculous. got a ma- major outdoor laser tag arena, which is so much fun. It has an entire virtual reality deck, and the fifth level 
is their entire kids club level where the parents can just drop them off and the, I, the kids don't want to come back. The, those levels are awesome. They, the, when Disney first launched, they were the only ones doing that. Everybody else is doing that now and at a cheaper price. So yeah. the, the alternatives are quickly catching up to Disney and Disney's not expanding their offerings. All they're doing is expanding their, their price points to, to be honest with you. So I, I, went on a Norwegian cruise, a uh, seven day in Alaska in 2018. And I came off that very pleased with it. Uh, I felt that from a quality of the ship, it was probably 80 to 85% of what Disney was offering. Uh, mm-hmm. The price point was substantially lower than that 80 to 85%. And we had a two week trip, uh, land and sea booked through Norwegian. And every member of the family that was on that trip said it was the best vacation they ever had. And yep. we are a Disney family. So yep. it was uh, – there are absolutely alternative options for vacations, and I think people are going to start seeing that. Um, so do we have anything else on the annual passes, or can we move on to the next news item? Uh, they suck, so move on. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's not much to say. It's horribly expensive, and they haven't given us anything more for the, for the extra money. Sure, sure. So uh, moving away from that to something else we love, uh, Lightning Lane signage has started to appear all over the place. We mentioned this in the last show when the this announcement came out. Uh, they've done it in areas where I think it's a little bit easier to change it out. But when they actually have to, you know, manipulate steel in a sign, I think they they're, those are going to take a little bit longer. But the expectation is for the new system to go live in the first week of October. I just want to point out, though, our last episode when we spent 10 minutes talking about the font spacing yeah. on that sign, that is the most us thing that we have ever done. <laughs> and I stand by that. As that is my sample of work product that I will yeah. show the world. I, I, I Sad I didn't bring this up last show. I did think about it, though, afterwards. Uh, should they have gone with a name that they're going to have to change the first time somebody gets hit by lightning in the lightning capital of the world? Ooh. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a poor choice of names for a multitude I mean, considering of reasons. How well, they, close- they, they could have gone with Alligator Alley, but that I, I mean, that trade has sailed. Josh and I, Tim and I, nearly died on Sunset Boulevard, <laughs> so it's not really a joke that this could happen at some point, no. and then all of a sudden they're oh, maybe we shouldn't have called it Lightning Lane. I, I think I just got robbed on that joke. I'm just saying for the record. Say it again. <laughs> Jokes are better when you repeat them. <laughs> go away. <laughs> and we also don't know uh, what the audio sync is going to be, so it's possible that it was loud and clear and we just ignored it and didn't think it was funny. At least that's For how it's going to translate. some listeners, that joke hasn't happened yet. <laughs> um, other things that I, I think this one, we may have a more uh, positive response, but the Polynesian Resort uh, appears to be complete again. Uh, their, their second round of updates in 10 years. Yep. Uh, the monorail station has reopened. The uh, the biggest thing that I think people are opposing for the uh, for these types of changes, not the Moana rooms, but it appears to be more steel than wood in a lot of these places. But I don't know yeah, what you guys think of the typical Polynesian, mil- uh, you know, building material. Yeah, yeah. But I do think, at least from afar, do you know how hard it is to weld a coconut? It is. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about some very serious engineering challenges that had to be overcome. I've seen enough episodes of Gillen, Gilligan's Island to know that that's possible. That's, that's true. Well, if you have a professor there, which you <laughs> yeah, may not. Yeah. My poly's not all the way back until there's a luau. Well, yeah, enough. so about that, there's uh, there's some rumblings that that's going to be a DVC tower and more overpriced rooms that uh, Josh isn't going to buy. DP tower. Yeah. So I think the monorail station looks fine. I agree. Yeah. It is very steel. That was the first thought that I had because anyone who ever 
stood on the uh, you know the original poly monorail platform knows that it was some form of lumber that had a I don't know I would guess forty to fifty coats of paint on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was. <laughs> it might have just been the coats of paint. There might not have been actual wood. There. <laughs> the paint is just a hollow <laughs> shell of paint holding the whole thing together. Yeah, it was. It was rustic, and I think it did contribute to the theming, but I also think it was old. Um, that's not to say that you can't rebuild something out of wood, but I, I my auto, honestly, my overall opinion is I think that monorail station looks much better than it ever did. I agree. So, and there's not a whole lot of opportunities I've had lately to be overtly positive about a change, but I think that was a clear upgrade. Now, some of the lighting fixtures they put on the inside, uh, I think <laughs> there's a little more room for discussion. The, the water balloons with uh, LED light bulbs in them with the wiring on the outside is not uh, really the level of detail I expect from Disney, but hey. They decided that was what they were going to do last update, and they're just kind of stretching that out or bringing that out to the uh, new entry area, so... Yeah. Josh likes Josh likes the monorail station so much that I think he's going to buy an annual pass again. Huh. And a Can't DVC when they build sell the tower. <laughs> <laughs> he's back on board. I'm selling kidneys over at Wonders of Life to try and raise enough money to buy a damn AP. Something else that I found interesting is that Yeehaw Bob Jackson is returning to the River Roost Lounge. I don't think that's his name. His last name is Jackson. And also, isn't he dead? I'm pretty sure I eulogized him five episodes ago. I think he died died like half a year ago. (laughs) Yeah, uh, Josh killed him off a few uh, few years ago. There was a post by Yeehaw Bob post the uh, park closing or parks closing for the pandemic saying that he had been terminated. And... Uh, some of you may know there See, were. I told you he was dead. Did I just the, misread that headline? <laughs> there were um, uh, harassment allegations against him. Yeah, and this would have been the opportunity to just not bring him back or come up with a a new form of entertainment here. And Disney opted to not do that. So that tells me that they did an internal investigation and deemed those to be without merit, uh, or they just thought profits were ahead of. Whatever, but whatever the accusation. Internal were. investigation, exactly what he was accused of. Possibly, but anyway, <laughs> I'm not meaning to make light of that. But it is interesting that I'm either somebody, drunk or on a roll. Somebody that was accused, uh, they had an easy out, and they yep. brought him back, and yep. that that's in itself noteworthy to me. Uh, I have never seen the show. I have heard very positive things about the show, but the news about him a few years ago had me thinking that. They would just take this as an as an opportunity to let it go quietly uh, under the carpet. But anyway, I thought it was interesting. Uh, I know that people are big fans of his, so for those people that uh, that that like Yeehaw Bob, you get to watch him again. I'm a big fan. I've seen the show many times. We love going to it. Uh, I do hope Disney did whatever investigation they need to do, and whatever the outcome was, you know, one one way or the other, you know, whether it was a I hope they came to they they did do a thorough investigation and and, and found out what they needed to find out and yeah. based on what they found out would hopefully be in a positive light that is the reason he's coming back uh, yeah. cuz like you said yeah they could have just swept it under and never never returned it but uh you know I hope everything's on the up and up and good because uh he does do put on a wonderful show it is a blast the term is swept it under the rug, not under the carpet. <laughs> Correcting myself from previously. This show is a blast. <laughs> yeah, Bob. Expedition Everest. T- title of the show, Yeehaw Bob, not dead. <laughs> and a blast. Internal Expedition Everest is uh, closing for a lengthy refurbishment. Oh, no, fixing the Yeti, yes. No, no Yeti happening. fix is no? planned. Oh. Not happening. 
as Crap. part of uh, this episode's segment of After the Dish, Jim Hill said that <laughs> they were looking at possible. Hey, wait, 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 wait! Before you get there, you were totally talked about on the Dish this week, weren't you? And you were not referenced by name. That was I, you I that so. was what talking, talking about. Uh, somebody needing to uh, renew their annual pass. And having to go to multiple guest relations before no. they got the end. Oh, I, I, I think the timing so, was perfect. Unless, unless he was listening to our show, I did not specifically talk to Len about that. Dang so. it! I was thinking, I was like, oh, that's our Tim. Yeah, no, I, I don't. I mean, I uh, go back and forth with the two of them often enough that sometimes there are references to me that don't actually get called out by name. I don't believe that was one of them. Well, get back to how Jim was going to tell us that the Yeti's being fixed. Go ahead. Yeah, so he said uh, no, no fix this plan, and he's not oh. the only one that said that. Uh, but he did indicate that some projection mapping might be done as part of it. And they do this over in Thunder Mountain in Disneyland, and it's a pretty cool effect. I don't know what uh, how it will manifest make- itself. but <laughs> They're going to make the Yeti's eyes blink. They're going to make the Yeti's eyes blink and possibly have an explosion <laughs> for no reason. But <laughs> what's the uh, uh, the character that Tony Baxter portrays in Thunder Mountain? Like something T-Bouillon or something like that? Yeah. We're going to have him in there. But anyway, uh, Everest is getting a refurb. No Yeti fix planned. Uh, when we go into our Animal Kingdom build-out, uh, our assumption is, uh, or at least part of our build-out, that we're all going to spend money on the Yeti, so we're not even including that. But well, other I'm including anim- it, <laughs> Other animal. Josh wants it to die. Um, <laughs> I do not. Other animal kingdom news. The Hulk. <laughs> other animal kingdom news. Uh, Tom Corliss, right again. Tom stated that Finding Nemo the musical will not return, and he is one hundred percent correct. The show will be replaced with a completely different show called Finding Nemo the Musical. Hey Finding Tom, the try musical. not to shut down any attractions on your way to the parking lot. <laughs> Twenty three attractions. <laughs> Thirty seven. Thirty seven. Attra- I've got the number wrong. Damn it. <laughs> F you, really, Michael really Jordan. Kills a joke. It does. <laughs> that <laughs> was a, lot of a uh, Twitter reference for, and that joke was for six people, and Josh butchered it for those six people. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> Sorry to steal your work, Kevin. <laughs> uh, moving over to Epcot, Candlelight Processional is returning. Uh, Space 220 is 55 bucks for lunch, 79 bucks for dinner, and debuts September 20th. And the day that we were recording this, both Club Cool and the new Creation Shop debuted. Uh, I believe Josh has some insight on all of these things, or at least just the last one. <laughs> yeah, it's such a basic topic. I'm going to let you go ahead and cover it. Uh, it's, a, it's a new <laughs> gift shop. Uh, I think Josh can get his Epcot Forever shirts here. They did say that there's going to be a lot of uh, Epcot-centric merchandise. I put the over-under on that lasting. I'm going to say, let's say... End of this year, we're going to say December 31st, you're going to see the Epcot-centric merchandise cut back dramatically. Yeah, I'm sure. My disappointment with this store is that it looks like an Apple store. It's just – the problem is like for Apple, that's an accomplishment because they redefined how retail looks in a mall. Mm -hmm. But what Disney did is copy a store from a mall. And that's, it's just so uninspired. I mean, it's a very nice looking store. In the same week that they took their stores out of malls and put them into Targets? I just, yeah. Best Buy, the mouse gear now at Best Buy. I just feel like for for a company like Disney, who's, who's, 
entire value proposition is theming and creating unique experiences to model yourselves after a big box retailer is just a failure on its face. I don't care how well you execute it. It looks exactly like, like, oh, light woods, bright lights. It's wide open spaces. There's a tree over there. Oh, look, a ficus. Like, yeah, the execution <laughs> is really good for a- Get that drop, ooh, look, a ficus. <laughs> <laughs> it's the nicest store in most malls, which is yeah. unlike, you think about what, what was it called? What was the original Epcot store? It wasn't Mouse Gear. It was it was Centorium. Centorium, right? Which is a brilliant play on Emporium, which is the sort of uh, you know anchor retailer in all of the the Disney parks. It was it was an awesome multi level sort of surreal. Was, was Mouse experience. Gear a store that you that had like a, a place in your heart from a no. sentimental? Okay, so no, Centorium was, but Mouse yeah, Gear was but the, not. So I mean. The criticism that I would have is that it's it's not akin to the Centurion. And we haven't seen this in person. I think that I want to see it going into it. I think it looks better than Mouse Gear. I, don't I know do too. It, I, don't, I don't know that it looks as good as uh, Centurion did. But again, you go through precious childhood memories, and those are always going to be stronger. But I don't really have an issue with this other than the name is stupid, but they've been – They've been whiffing on names. The name is very stupid. And it's the name is totally incom- incongruent with what the place is. There's nothing creative about they it. They should have called it the Dream Port. Called it the Dream Port. It's an easy, easy hit right there. What's Pay. a what's a turn on cash grab that has sort of a futuristic <laughs> like, in, tone in, to it? In Walt's original pitch for Epcot, though, didn't he specifically state that Epcot's gonna be full of the nicest stores uh that you'll find in any mall? Was yeah, that exactly. not in there? He pointed to it, like on the on the map, right? I think that was verbatim. Actually, I think that was if a there was a Forever Twenty One outside of Mission Space, I would absolutely go hang out there. Forever Eighty Two. That's this the next is where the Spencer's Ooh, wow. gift is going to be strong. <laughs> Forever Eighty Two. Play I'm the game right break. there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going on break. That's a Mitch Hedberg line, Josh. Forever Sixty Nine. Just saying. <laughs> All right, I think. With Creation Shop, I am looking forward to seeing it. What I don't know, and you guys may or may not have seen this, what was the change to Construction Wall City? Do you, can you go all the way up to Showcase Plaza, hugging the um, kind of going through the center hub now? Or I mean, I assume don't know. there's. I'm, I'm assuming you can't go like a straight shot from Spaceship Earth, but if you kind of hug that kidney-shaped building that used to be uh, Interventions slash where, where Mouse Gear now uh, Creations is. Uh, on the inside of the center part of Future World, can you actually get up to Showcase Plaza, I, or do you have to like back? I wasn't aware there was any change to that because of this. Yeah, I doubt they've had opened that middle area up yet at all. Okay, I don't know. I have no idea. I'm talking on my ass right now. I mean, Me we, th- there are no, there's absolutely no way that we can figure this out. So we're just going to move <laughs> on, and I'm going <laughs> to pretend that I didn't even ask the question. There's no one you can ask. There's no network of interlinked computers that might have this information. There's a system of tubes. Uh, the original. We're going to have to wait for the scholars to upgrade the scrolls. Can you you anonymously reach out to uh, Lentesta again and find out? I'll see if I can do it, yeah. So we're going to move on to the crux of our show, which is our Animal Kingdom build-out show, which we have delayed for a couple of more pressing issues. Uh, As we have done in the previous build-outs, this is a build-out to 2035. Our budget for this was aggressive at my insistence because mine kept on ballooning. It is one billion to one point two five billion, and I exceeded that. Uh, we can't get rid of a building unless twenty years has passed. We can't move things. I'm going to break that rule as well. Uh, I'm citing precedents there, so it's okay. And uh, we are assuming a fix is in place for the Yeti, even though it isn't. 
So I think we're going to start with Josh on this one, because by his own admission, he says he hates this park, is never going to go to it, and it doesn't matter what he does to it. I think those were your exact words, right? (laughs) Yeah, never quote me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right, so I'm going to – I have to start out this this explanation by saying that I think Animal Kingdom is uh, sort of a blessed park and that it has been largely free from the molestation that tends to happen when the – designers of the park turn it over to operations. I think Animal the Kingdom... The designer has been there since, you know, six months ago. <laughs> AK and MK both fit that bill to me. They they haven't been ruined. Where I think the studios is, although I think it's better now than it was five or six years ago, it's totally still kind of though. a mess in a lot of different contexts. Epcot is an unmitigated disaster. But <laughs> Animal Kingdom is a good park. I think the biggest problem... So if you're going to change it, I think the appropriate place to start is by saying, well, what's wrong with it? Yep. And the risk with trying to change it at all is that you end up making it worse, as we've seen. And I think Disney's full of smart people, despite all the negative things I say. The, 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 the thing to be afraid of is the fact that when you take a bunch of smart people and you put them on a committee, that they can ruin almost anything. So Tim was bragging on our private chat earlier about how much money he was spending on this. And it, <laughs> I had sort of a thought bubble pop into my head if I were living an animated life. Uh, and it was, you know, I think that could, that, that might be fine, but it's also very dangerous because sure. when you give people who are humans and have egos an unlimited budget, there's very few barriers on the kind of harm that they can cause. So I started with a proposition that Animal Kingdom, for the most part, is a pretty solid park and that my biggest real guiding rail was not to make it worse. Now, so through that sort of lens, the obvious weak spot for me of animal kingdom is Chester's and Hester's. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's a mess. I know that all three of us are going to talk about this. There's a 0% chance with a billion dollar budget that we're going to just leave that there. I'm building four more primeval worlds. (laughs) Exactly. It's bold strategy. (laughs) Let's see if it pays off. So I'm going to level that. Yep. Now, what I want... That may be underway, by the way. We missed this in news. There are construction walls around Primeval World right now. Well, I think that the damage is... I don't think that Primeval World's longevity was ever really... No, that's uh, true. That was close. I mean, that has been a people killer since it was installed. Literally, sadly. And I don't mean to make light of that, but I mean, there's been multiple fatalities on that ride. And while I suppose any piece of complex machinery can hurt or kill someone, the reality is that just doesn't have the draw to even just come close to justifying what what seems to be a, a pretty disproportionate risk in terms of the the harm it causes. So Unless I think you're that my forty seven inch tall nephew who wanted to do that more than anything else on the vacation, but was an inch too short. But you know what? I want to thank you so much for that segue because what I'm going to place onto the nuked and paved area that is now Chester and Hester's is a height a a a dark ride, a traditional <laughs> omni rover maneuver. Oh jeez. Words are hard. I'm going to start over. A traditional Omnimover dark ride that has Mm -hmm. no height requirement because I think that park can benefit from an additional attraction. It is a little light on rides. And what we want to be able to do is suck people out of the pathways, uh, reduce congestion, and and provide an additional experience. Now, obviously, your first bullet point is add attractions without restrictions. Good. So we're on the same page. You're 100% on the same page. I mean, we usually are, but I'm glad I haven't deviated too far off the course. (laughs) So that's what this is going to be. Omnimovers are great for that. That was one of 
you know, Epcot's a- attributes that really worked for it in the beginning is that while there weren't a ton of attractions, mm-hmm. all, all of them could pretty much be experienced by everyone, which was which was pretty cool. Right. So this is going to be a dinosaur-themed attraction just because of the area that it's in. Sure. I actually think that area as a whole is not really problematic. No. And let's face it, if you're trying to tell stories and share narratives about animals, it makes a lot of sense to have some discussion about prehistoric times and how things came to be the way that they are. And I think that there's a somewhat of a synergy between the opportunity we have in this space and the closing of Universe of Energy, um, because the Walt Disney Company has a very long history with dioramas involving dinosaurs. It goes back to the 64-65 World's Fair, Disneyland, Universe of Energy. I mean, sure. this is something that was important to Walt. It's it's in the DNA of this company. Uh, I hope, although I'm, I'm skeptical, but I, I hope that the competencies to do that well are still within the organization. And the truth is, we haven't really seen a super modern... Uh, execution of that subject matter. Now, yes, there is dinosaur over there, and I, but that is not a dark ride, right? That's a very, very different experience. And I, I guess from a storytelling perspective, maybe there's a potential incompatibility there where you're going to, cause universe of energy was sort of a docile overall sure. sort of theme, right? Whereas dinosaur the ride is more of a Jurassic, I'm clearly dinosaur kind is of aggressive. A, yeah, it's like this. We don't have IP rights to Jurassic Park, but we don't need them because dinosaurs are the star. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that's sort of the the, the philosophy yeah. we have on that. But I think that is an appropriate size space where you could do a ten to twelve minute dark ride. You could do it with modern animatronics to, uh, you know, with a hybrid of screens to satisfy younger audiences, but also take people out of the park proper for ten to fifteen minutes, provide an experience that is both educational and entertaining. And it's an alternative to people who may not want to, to, it's an alternative for people who want to, who might be interested in dinosaurs and prehistoric uh, earth, but are not interested in the level of thrill that dinosaur provides. So that's my philosophy there. As far as the specifics of it, I don't know. I've admitted many times and I'll repeat (laughs) it now. I'm not an artist. Uh, You know, I'm a nerd. I'm a computer guy. I, I depend on other people to to come up with the storyline, and uh, you know I think that telling it well is uh, really important too. And I think that we could probably do that better now in 2021 than we could in 1980 or 81 when Universe of Energy uh, was was designed. So to me, that's that's a huge upgrade to that area of the park, and it also is an upgrade to capacity. So sure, I mean it's a win win. An know, what would that cost? Yeah. 2,000 to 2,400 guests per hour. Uh, by yeah. the way, you hit location and ride system for something that I'm going to be putting in that spot. Uh, awesome. <laughs> sli- sli- slightly different uh, theme, but still location and ride system. Because You're doing I that think- Simpsons ride you keep telling me about, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. But I mean, you, you, you hit on some things that are probably going to be true to all of us. First and foremost, Dinorama has to go. I think we're all in agreement yeah, there. absolutely. But I think when you look at where the crowds go on that park. It's for the most part on four corners. It's Pandora, it's uh, Kilimanjaro Safaris, it's Everest. Everest. And yep. Dinosaur is the weakest of those four corners. Nothing against Dinosaur, but the other three areas are substantially uh, right. more draw, or a bigger draw. Dinosaur is a 23-year-old attraction. And while it's still a very good attraction, it is the weakest of those. So yep. bringing something else to that area is the very first thing I would do. 
So and whatever that may be. I'm on this might be a flawed analogy, but it's a little bit like Mission Space has orange and green. That's mm-hmm. kind of what you're doing is providing a green experience, except it's better because since it's going to be a different story and a different overall experience, you're going to have people who want to experience both of them. You know, no one is going to go by like, oh, let's go right. We just did orange on Mission Space. Now let's mm-hmm. do green. No one's going to do that. But I think an Omnimover attraction is different enough from dinosaur to where you're going to have a large group that's going to want to do one or the other, and you're going to have a subset of those groups that is going to want to do both. So to me, it's a, it's a, a pretty, it's a pretty easy decision. I think you guys are we, going to hate me. We, <laughs> joke, I, you're it's keeping all world. we know you, you're a one trick <laughs> pony, buddy. <laughs> I mean, we let you, we're going to give you, I'm going to let you finish, but it's, it's sing-alongs. We know. <laughs> uh, we joke about the backstory of Chester and Hester's, uh, and yeah, it's Disney says that like, it, that like, it's, it's got a great backstory and you know what it does, but it's an overwritten backstory for a shitty area. Right. And one of the concepts, uh, for primeval world, there is a story that goes along with it. And it is that Chester and Hester saw what was going on over at Dinosaur and wanted to make their own version of it. So if you look at some of the uh, cardboard cutouts that were on Primeval World, it kind of hits on some of the main story beats of Dinosaur. And whether your dark ride does the exact same thing, but with a much better than cardboard cutout funhouse uh, wild mouse coaster. Yeah. Then, so be it. The other funny thing about that, too, is that Primeval World's height requirement was four inches higher than Dinosaurs is. But, Which is funny. I mean, anyway. I just think that when you're the Walt Disney Company, leaning into crappy is not the right strategy oh, no, of course in not. any of course situation. Not. And that's literally what they did. So I think we all heard that the first time and just sort of laughed or like, is there anybody who's persuaded by this and now has a, you know, a different opinion of that area? I don't think so. Your uh, your budget, Omnimover, uh, I think the last one that I can think of was Mermaid, and my understanding was that budget was $100 million. Uh, I imagine that it's probably twice that at this point, uh, but yeah. that's whatever. Let's call it 250 to 300 I mean, I only, I only have one more idea. There's going to so. be a lot of dinosaurs in here. Uh, some <laughs> of them might be real at that price point. <laughs> my next idea is something that is not original, I admit, okay. but I think it is something that is so obvious that it is almost – uh, certain to happen at some point. And that is to have some either attraction or transportation transportation system or hybrid of the two. You're putting a provides- lake in front of the park and it's going to be 25 minutes longer to get in, right? Yeah, but the trick is how deep it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a boat ride generally between Animal Kingdom Lodge and the park is basically yeah, that's what Yeah, that's something that needs to be done. I mean, I think that's going to be probably on all of our lists when I set it. But I do think it's such an obvious choice. So that, That's for, on a transportation any, show, though, so we're doing that separately. Well, maybe. I mean, that, that's <laughs> a question. I mean, there is – the so I thought about this. This is the thing I actually thought the most about is, is there a way – to create an experience that is different than what's available today. Because we generally think of things as either being a ride or attraction. And then, and, and you know, what defines them as being one or the other is not always clear. So if you go to Disneyland, the monorail is an attraction. If you are at Walt Disney World, the monorail is considered a transportation system. And, you know, I think reasonable people could maybe disagree about how much they are distinct from one another. I mean, obvious obvious uh, ways to describe one over the other is that a transportation system would have entrances and exits that are not co-located, right? If I get yeah. on at point A and I get off at point B, then it's a transportation system. Well, what about uh, the Skyway? 
Tomorrowland of Fantasyland. It was, uh, you know, not a considered to be a transportation system. It was considered to be an attraction. So I, I think there's a lot of wiggle room here. So one option would be you have a bi-directional. I think a boat ride is probably the most appropriate, uh, you know, ride system, but that's just me. I would make it automated. I just prefer robots to people. So mm-hmm. I would have some sort of ride system, whether it's, uh, you know, you a jungle cruise. You suggested this for Epcot, didn't you? Didn't you have something similar? Any idea that is eliminating humans in favor of computers <laughs> is probably for me. So um, I can't recall specifically what I had for Epcot. I think I had something between Epcot basically replacing uh, like the friendship boats boat with system, a ride which is the ride system. they yeah. have. Yeah. So I believe that was me. But I you know, I think there's some options here. The the obvious the easiest and obvious choice would be a uh cast member driven vehicle that goes between one and the other and you can get on at one place and go to the other. Sure. I don't want that. I want a ride system that is on a track because I like tracks because uncertainty makes me uncomfortable. So we're going to have a track system of some sort, probably a boat, but I think, I think we still have some interesting options. One thing you could do that would be kind of cool is you could make it one way. So if you only made it from the resort to the park, that would be more like a ride. Now, the question would be, do you limit that to resort guests? I don't know. That's a business problem. That's not a creative problem. But if you think about it, what a perk would it be to stay at the Animal Kingdom Lodge if it allowed you to walk out of your room, go board a boat, and take some voyage to what is the park? And you can't ride it back, and nobody else can ride it. It literally is like you're going from this lodge in the wilderness to the it's rest so of the park. It's so disheartening to have to take a bus yeah. back, though. I, I agree. And I, I think like, that is luck, a fucker. We got to sort of put a pin in that as being a problem with this idea. Swim back. But here's the other. Here's maybe the 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 cynical take on that is at that point the experience has ended, right? I mean every. Every movie that you ever go to, you have to walk out the theater and through the parking lot. Uh, you, you know, the the finishing part of that experience is never going to be that fulfilling. But I do think you can create a lot of very impactful memories. I mean, imagine being a little kid and your first experience is you go to this lodge and there's giraffes out there and all of this tundra. That you take this wild boat ride and now you're in Animal Kingdom and you experience that. I think it's I think it's very compelling from a storytelling perspective. And I've said before, and I'll, I'll so do we have it. like a Rise of the Resistance thing where we see the empty boats going back. Yeah, <laughs> and it's part well, of the I thought show. About that. Like, what would the return be? I mean, the Google photos of the you know the Google uh, Earth photos of this could be pretty bad if it's like this you know winding path that the boats are going from the lodge to the park, and then it's just like they're on a, some sort of like scaffolding coming back. I mean, yeah, you'd have to. <laughs> Sort of, but <laughs> otherwise, there's a pileup of boats at the Animal Kingdom entrance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If, for those of you who haven't, you should fire up Google Earth and just look at this because uh, the logistics of it work. And whether that was intentional or not, I have no clue. Um, but it's about half a mile between the back of the Animal Kingdom Lodge and the the portion of of, of AK that actually faces that. And where obviously there's a, there's still some logistical questions. Where do you bring it into the lodge? Where do you bring it into the to the park? I mean, those would all have to be figured out. But there's there's basically nothing but wide open land back there, so it seems entirely doable. And what? I really think you can enhance that park for for the lodge guests. And you're not allowed to talk. Sorry, if, I'm sorry. What, what if you okay. add more animals back there? Give each yeah. guest a trank gun, and it's a, <laughs> it's a walking path. And <laughs> you make it, you make it. If you don't, eh. 
Yeah, but for, here's the plot twist. From a timing perspective, my yeah was before the Trank gun uh, comment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, here's the thing. The you animals also get Trank guns. So some, not, every, not everybody, <laughs> some people come back a winner and some people don't come back at all. You got a dirt in your neck, dude. You got a, you got a dirt in your neck. Dude, you're, you're crazy, crazy. Man. You're crazy. I love you, but you're crazy. <laughs> and you know what? We actually have the opportunity. Uh, full disclosure, we don't know what's recording, so we're recording locally. And uh, we've had recordings here on Discord, which is what we use to record the show, where we turn into the darted character. Uh, that <laughs> That's true. Will Ferrell portrays. That's so actually we may, the outro for our show several times. Yeah, we, we may have that going on again as well. But anyway. It, you, it Wait, might be crazy. I have a question. So yeah. if Ben and I are doing the dart in your neck impersonation <laughs> yep. and Discord screws up, does it? Yep. do we just sound normal? It could <laughs> be. We don't know. <laughs> it, might, it might sound crazy, but your commentary on a one-way attraction and the significance of that is something that is not far off, totally different application for it, but not far off from another idea that I had uh, when I go through my presentation. Is anybody but, using the swan boats right now? Can those? What uh, Tim's saying is we're both geniuses. I wouldn't go that far. Um, I'm not <laughs> sure that either one of us is even remotely close. But you I think, <laughs> again, despite going at these things from different angles, it's interesting what we come up with that has parallels. And I think you're going you're gonna to see what I'm talking about when it's, uh, when it's my turn to go through my ideas. Um, but for, for when we, we've jokingly said that there's going to be a transportation show, we may want to actually do that because we've identified transportation as a major flaw in Disney World. And looking at some of these things, uh, be they boat, be they whatever, as a means of connecting the resorts to the parks more so than they already are is something that they absolutely should be considering. Yeah. Was, you said that, that was your, were, those are your only two ideas. Do you have other ideas for the park itself? Yeah, I had one more idea, which is so unfleshed out as to not really count. Um, but I think the nighttime show situation there is a, <laughs> is something that needs to be given some attention. I don't know what the solution is because I'm not a. Refer to episode zoologist. 27 when we tried to fix Rivers of Light. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about it before. And I think, I think the problem we ultimately have is we, all three of us are qualified to weigh in as guests who have seen a lot of nighttime shows, many of which sure. are great, many of which have been mediocre. But I don't think any of us are really qualified to weigh in as to how you reconcile what makes a good nighttime show with what makes a good habitat for a whole bunch of animals. So I just, I guess the most I could do is say, this is an issue in that park. They're losing guests at night. I, I love animals much more than people, quite frankly. And have you I think ever scared a Canadian goose with a firecracker? I have not. You should try it. It's fun. I was asked to shoot a uh, ibis with a potato gun when I was about 19, and I intentionally missed the shot, though. Okay. So I'm not saying I'm a hero, uh, but if you were to get that bird on here, I think they would say, yeah, this guy's okay. <laughs> so were you – I think your idea was more of a park-wide idea for the nighttime show, right? If yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I just think it's I think it's just a deficiency of the park. Address the nighttime show issue. Address the nighttime show. That's it. Like I said, it was I really only had two ideas. Shall we? Uh, shall we move over to uh, to Skipper Ben for his uh, breakdown? And by the way, I'm going to be stealing any of Josh's extra funds from this uh, to supplement my ideas. I'm happy to help. Uh, that that's not my name. <laughs> it's the real Skipper Ben. As opposed to the fake one that we've been using on occasion. Mm -hmm. That was your cue for the Turd Ferguson joke. God dang it. Sorry, RIP Norm. Okay. <laughs> so am I going? Yeah, it's funny. We it's funny. Right. It's bigger than a regular size hat. That's right. <laughs> uh, so, 
you guys are all wrong. I got this all straight. So okay, go for it. We'll get this set. Uh, we're going to start off real easy, though. I'm going to piss you guys off right off the bat uh, with Chester and Hester because I'm going to leave it, believe it or not. Uh, <laughs> Josh even said he doesn't have a huge problem with this area. And no, he, gonna, he doesn't have a huge problem with Dino Land, I think, is what your point yeah. is, right? <laughs> well, I don't have a problem with the... I mean, what is Dino Land besides a little walking path and the, the excavation site, I guess? You know, it's it's not a... It's you got the restaurant, a, you got a couple of... Yeah. Um, it's of, uh, far from a fully-fledged land there, but I mean, I don't mind. I like the idea. I, th- I think kind of tongue-in-cheek Chester and Hester trying to do their own version of Dinosaur was always kind of funny. Uh, it did come off a little cheap doing it on a, uh, you know, parking lot type uh, situation, but that's that's what it lends itself to. I main reason I don't want to mess with it too much over here is because I do love Dinosaur. I don't want Dinosaur to be touched. Uh, I want that to stay over there, but I also... Tim's I don't think about, Josh is getting rid of dinosaur. Either. He's not. He's yeah, not. Like but you realize I, you could demolish things like without well, using like a nuclear bomb. Right? I, I, well, can you? Because of course the rumors in this area have been the you know do they just take it all out and put in Indiana Jones per se? Sure. And and read this whole Indiana Jones. <laughs> but that's but not really not open. Yeah, it's not not there anymore. There's not there's not an Indiana Jones, and I'm I'm on the side. If, if we're going to do Indiana Jones, you do it in the the movie park and not in the animal okay. park. Uh, so. That's keeping Dinosaur there, but I'm also going to address something just right off the bat that Tim's about to uh, encounter. And, you know, for like the next eight years, Tim, you're going to find there's not a whole lot to do there with kids. Sure. And so we did we did mention doing something without restrictions. I'm going to turn this section into a, just a full-fledged kids area. This is going to be your kids' rides. We're going to get rid of uh, Primeval World. We're going to replace it, and I think there's a couple easy replacements and, and relatively cheap. Uh, we're going to pretend that uh, Chester and Hester have enough money to invest in an IP uh, okay. because <laughs> Toy Story has two dinosaur characters that we could build a couple attractions around uh, in okay. Trixie and Rex. And we're going to bring over a couple flat rides from Toy Story Land in Shanghai. We're going to bring over uh, Slinky Dog Spin. And we're gonna bring over. Uh, so we're you putting know, Toy Story in another freaking park, aren't we? We are. We are. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're putting it in this park. It's got IPs everywhere else, and we're, this isn't the end of the IP uh, <laughs> invasion into Animal Kingdom by any means. But we're gonna add a couple kids rides here. Uh, you know, maybe even a Mater's Junkyard Chambery type flat ride next to each other. Just gives the families an area that they can go to and actually do a few things with the kids because they're this park is quite limited on on those type of attractions so okay so you got a well, bunch of like b tickets on that area I, I actually i mean i don't think toy story is the way to go but i i don't dislike that idea of just rounding out the attraction lineup with things because it is another park that's top heavy on their attraction lineup Yep. yep, and mainly because I want them to invest in other areas of the park much more than okay. overthinking this section, uh, and and kind of a limited space that you do have over there. You're kind of pigeonholed in what you can put in. I, I'm not convinced you can put in a massive dark ride in that section when you when you do the Google Earth look down on it, which I which I did because I. I was wondering where you can expand this park to. Where, like, where are some flat? Where are some extra pieces of land that you can do stuff with? And. Uh, you can you know. in that area. There, there's room, but the aforementioned Finding Nemo theater may also become a casualty as a result. It could, but as yeah. a point, it's not. Uh, and when you look at a ride like, uh, you know, even something as somewhat simple as the Little Mermaid, when you think of Q and everything else, that's that's, that's a large building there. And I, I think we'd have to do a little analysis to see just how big of a dark ride you could put there. So. 
in the ex- at the expense of doing something like that, I'm thinking a couple flat rides. It gives you three kids friendly rides in that section okay. to, to for families to go over along with the playground area. We'll keep that in there. Uh, and, and, and it does give the, a couple options. Next thing we're going to go do though, is but behind, uh, that section of the park. And it's kind of between that area. There's a little waterway that runs behind it, behind, behind, uh, the theater in the wild behind this section of Dino land. That's how uh, they pull the harmonious barges off. It, line. They yep, pull it back there. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a piece of land that's back there uh, behind Everest. Mm-hmm. And it's a large enough piece of land that you could almost fit another Everest right there. It's it's, yeah, a, it's pretty big. There's it's this, a large chunk of land. There. This is where we're going to pigeonhole Mystic Manor in. Okay. I, I do think we need to bring Mystic Manor in. Uh, even, again, after the Dish was talking about, you know, or after the Dish podcast yep. here, uh, was talking about how that is a ride that's on the top of surveys of people wanting to see over here on the stateside parks. I can't disagree with that whatsoever. Uh, it, it, it's on it, my list as well. Yeah. You, you, you made the sale already. And so I think it's a perfect <laughs> spot right there because it is kind of off by itself. I think you could actually do a pretty cool lead up to that section and have this manor on top of a hill that kind of is that mysterious foreboding, you know, type feel to it as you as you approach it. You can make it a very, you know, very adventurous, whatever you want to do there. What do you have ballpark for that? That's that's So I, I looked it up and there's a couple of things that you're uh, kind of dancing around a mystic manor. I'm sure that our listeners have watched ride video of it. The the ride is set in Mystic Point. Further uh, to answer your question, two hundred fifty million, and I got that because the budget about ten years ago, uh, there were reports that Toy Story Land, Grizzly Gulch, and Mystic Point, uh, the expansion to Hong Kong, was a total of four hundred sixty eight million, and that yeah. was ten years ago. Yeah. So I came up with two fifty, yeah. and that very well may be light, but I don't think it's so unreasonable. We know that Ratatouille was two twenty. I think this one has uh, more moving parts, but Somewhere in that range, plus or minus, let's say twenty-five million. Okay, but there's there's something here that the I, I think that would need to potentially be changed is that the exterior facade doesn't really work in the animal kingdom, especially in that area. But I've I've got it not exactly on that footprint, but not far from that footprint. The facade of Mystic Point is Victorian in its architecture. And technically, Mystic Point was created by Lord Henry Mystic as an area in New Guinea. But uh, I think it's not that much of a stretch where the setting of that is almost irrelevant. And the driving force of it is a Balinese music box. So you can set it in Asia with a different facade. That's uh, that's an easy problem to solve, but something that I think should just be acknowledged. Yep. Anyway, continue. So that's... Uh that's going in that section. We're finally going to get our uh, Mystic Manor stateside, and it's going to okay. be in the Animal Kingdom. Uh, from there, we're going to go over to Pandora, okay. where I think a third attraction needs to be built. Okay, It'll help take off. Uh, obviously, I think we've seen the lines go down a bit on Flight of Passage, but even with Fast Pass gone, that has still had a heavy line. And yeah. with Lightning Lane and all that other crap coming back, uh, we're, only gonna gonna see, we're only going to see we're only going to see standby go back up. So the way we counter that is by adding a third ride. Okay. And back kind of behind that show building is a cast member parking lot right now mm-hmm. uh, that we're going to say sorry, Cash, you're going to drive and park somewhere else, and we'll bus you over. And we're going to use this spot of land for 
we're going to go underwater on Pandora this time. Okay. Uh, I know we have a boat ride, but everything there is above uh, the water yeah, line. Yeah. And the upcoming movies, especially, I believe, the next one, if, if it's not the next one, it's the third one of the 10 that James Cameron evidently is filming right now. <laughs> it, 2028. Heavily takes place underwater. Uh, they, I know he's got a new 3D technology, 3D camera that allows him to do the uh, 3D effects underwater. Uh, we've seen some of the behind the scenes in these massive water tanks. So we're going to go underwater at Pandora. And what we're going to do here is we're going to do uh, the ride system that you find from the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea uh, over at Tokyo Disney Sea. Okay. The like sim- simulated underwater, kind of a Peter Pan's flight type dark ride. Again, adding another family-friendly attraction that everybody can ride. And, uh, you know, hopefully it's, it's you know, much more audio animatronic based than what we have with the other two Pandora attractions. I sure. think that was the uh, one, one disappointment that a lot of us had, especially... Uh, with the boat ride is just having the the one major audio animatronic at the end. It's a, incredible. The Shaman song is amazing, but we would have liked to have seen more and not relied as much on screens uh, to to put us in that world. So you know, and I think I think you could follow along the lines very closely of what they did with the twenty k uh, under the sea over in Tokyo Disney Sea and some of the effects and some of the uh, sure. audio animatronics they did there. We don't need. We don't need groundbreaking figures. We don't need, you know, if they want to put a couple in there, cool. But, you know, just give us some stuff to look at that's that's neat. And again, the main priority here is giving us that third attraction to pull people away uh, from Flight of Passage and, and hopefully lighten up the load uh, on that attraction a bit as we go back to the way things were pre-pandemic very soon. Okay. From there, we're going to head up into, uh, I'm going to save my big one for last, but this is a big one itself. Uh, again, looking at the Google Earth, looking at what we could possibly do up in Africa. Looking at uh, the AOL. <laughs> <laughs> the the Behind the Legend of the Lion King Theater. I think it's, it's what it's it is. Called. What is it? That Festival. Sh- that show Festival. I know. Festival of the Lion King. Festival of the Lion King. You're, uh, you're treading again. on sacred ground now, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I got to be careful here. The best, you know, theme park land in, in ever built uh, is Tim's uh, Sacred Africa. Damn straight. Uh, but kind of to the west of the theater is another cast member parking lot and a pretty open piece of land. Uh, I think you have to get a little Cass creative. can take Josh's boat from the Animal Kingdom Lodge. That's going to be their new plan. And they're yep. not allowed to go home. So it's just one way. <laughs> It's the uh, best cash grab ever. They're all just stuck. <laughs> Back in this area is where the parade storage uh, was, and I'm not convinced we're <laughs> ever going to get that an- anymore. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to get another parade there. So why don't we use that land for an attraction? Yep. And I think we all agreed that the 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 new Beauty and the Beast ride over in Tokyo is awesome. Mm-hmm. We're not putting Beauty and the Beast here. Don't worry. <laughs> That's where I thought you were going with it. <laughs> but I do want to do something at least on the lines of the level of that kind of attraction. Sure. But we're going to do the Lion King. We're going to have a Lion okay. King dark ride. Uh, I think. Haven't we suggested that? I think that's like such a no brainer idea, not to dismiss your idea. Yeah. Uh, it's such a good idea to have something like that there. Yeah, it, it's perfect for there. And I think they built. I, I, I want Beauty and the Beast to be the blueprint for what they do here. I want the mm-hmm. audio animatronics to be awesome. I want. Uh, there's so many freaking great songs again that you can go, you can do the whole breakdown, the same thing where each scene is a built around one of the songs from the film. Sure. It it's perfect. This is this, uh, you know, I, I think 
we have all talked about the jungle, uh, the, the the jungle book attraction, the rumors around that and things like that. I think as great as that is, the Lion King is still just a such an iconic film. It's a step that, above Jungle Book from anybody's. Yeah, yeah it's echelon. it's the and the the you don't have to do. Yeah, and I'm not talking about the John, the John Favreau remake of the Lion King. I'm talking about the original animated version. That's that's sure. what I want the characters to look like. That's what I want the film to be built around, the right to be built around that film. And if that uh, didn't exist and John Favreau doesn't make that movie. It's right, as simple right. as that. So, so. and it's just, it's just simple that I mean as great as the Favreau one was, nobody nobody talks about it at all anymore. Yeah. Uh, but they still talk about the original animated film. So uh, it's timeless. It's never going to go out of it's never going to be stale, go out of fashion. It's, timeless it's more Disney. Yep, you're Thanks, building Bob. it. There you go. You're building it, and it's something you're never gonna have to touch. You know, again, it's it's just gonna be there. So, uh, and and what that's uh, three hundred million or so is what I saw around the Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, uh, it's not far off. I would so say. I'm thinking that's what we're gonna do here. And then the big one, the big one. They had a, they, uh, you know, you're gonna talk about it as well. They they had, they had something just fall in their lap. Perfect. I'm yeah. not convinced that Imagineers maybe didn't have some kind of influence over some of this stuff that was in this film because, you know, the the one thing that we never got with the Animal Kingdom that we were promised before the park was built was the characters built on the world of fantasy. Mm-hmm. And there's a movie that just came out that's a massive hit that half of the film is built around characters of fantasy that you now can tie stuff that people have seen and characters that people are aware with aware of and a place that people are aware of now and they will be moving forward uh you know for for years to come and there's a huge plot of land behind Kali River Rapids that would be perfect to build the land of uh let me get it right here uh Talo from yep. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings uh for anybody who's seen it, I don't want to spoil too much, but there, there's an area in there where uh, the characters, the, the land that the characters go to that's built around these just fa- fantastical. Is that a word? I don't sure, know. It's yeah. all yeah, uh, a creatures, you know, things that you it. things that you would never imagine before that they, they they imagine they created here. And it's awesome. The characters huge. The characters are big. The character there's good guys. There's bad characters fantasy creatures that you build it around uh it it just it's perfect for this section and we would finally get our fantasy i'm thinking something this is this is their rise of the resistance this is their major 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 e-ticket that pulls people to that side of the park and yeah it to me it's almost done along the lines of a flight of passage where your visitors to this land mm-hmm. your guests your the, the you know the majority of the ride takes place in a very peaceful setting and uh and you're being introduced to these characters i want audio animatronics of these characters uh yep. for the most part uh until the uh dweller and uh the dweller in darkness escapes its cave and that's when things go bad like on every disney ride and you have the chinese dragon the great protector uh from the film comes to save the day and save the guests to save the people and all of a sudden we find ourselves you know happy at the end but we got to go visit this place i think they had something just fall in their lap that is yeah to me a no-brainer at this point it, it wouldn't shock me if they're I, I mean if they don't have plans already drawn up for this section to. of the park that that they know that they're going to do this and you know it you don't have to create a new land this is the, it's it's set in china it's set in asia you're already in that section of the park it just is so so easy to do and i think it's you know out of anything that we talk about tonight i think this is the idea that is 
90% going to happen compared to anything else that we possibly bring up. Uh, I don't know that they do a whole land, but I would be very surprised if the current dialogue in Disney for the next move for Animal Kingdom is not a Talo attraction. Yeah, it, it is. So and, Josh, and that's, I what I mean, that's what I mean. You don't have to build a whole land. You have the yeah. land. You have Asia. Yeah, yeah. You just are, are building I a mean, path. That, that plot of land that you're talking about, you can fit 20 attractions on that plot of yeah. land. It's an enormous plot of land. Yeah, it's huge. So, the the thing that I would say as a uh, counter argument to to that is I think a more logical thing would be to remove Cali River Rapids. It's it's part of my build out. Uh, there's a demo component to it, but to get access to that area, that is such a valuable piece of real estate. Even if you don't use it all, getting rid of Cali River Rapids and putting something say your your Talo attraction there, you can configure it in such a way where you now have access to that massive plot of land for future expansion, whatever that may be, beyond 2035. Because right now, they don't really have a great pathway to get there. Um, it's blocked by Cali, the uh, Maharaja uh, Jungle no, Trek, no, and no, the no, no. I was going to say, you can take out Maharaja Jungle Trek. I know you won't, but you can, and get back there. <laughs> I mean, one of those has to go uh, in order to- I know which one should this. go. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not allowing them to get rid of any I, I hate to say it Colorado River Rapids is a major attraction for them because there are no attractions. I I can't let them get rid of something for something else until they have a lot more on their menu. I, I guess is the best way yeah, to put no, that, it. Yeah, that's fair. That's yeah. fair. So yes, I I'm going to force them to find a way back to that piece of land and not give them the easy way out. On episode 26, I believe, I uh, answered a David Thacker question where we each were assigned one attraction per park, and my approach was to go above it. And uh, yeah. that's, that's kind of Josh's uh, look. If you, if you are looking for space, there is space above things. And <laughs> that was one of my suggestions, and I'll revisit that when it's, uh, when it's my turn. But I think that uh, I'm not surprised, Ben. You and I are going to hit a lot of the same beats. And actually, Josh, I'm hitting some of your beats as well. So... As so me. often is the case, we come up with things that are totally different. Like I didn't have a Lion King ride in mind, Ben. I didn't have a new Pandora ride, and I love both of those ideas very much. Um, but at the same time, there's other things like like Mystic Manor that to me uh, – and part of that is because Jim put it in my head this week. But yeah. <laughs> it, it's something that has been in the back of my mind as an Animal Kingdom edition as well. I, I, I'm at about $1.2 billion, a little north of that uh, in the build-out. Uh, my other thought though for uh, the Shang-Chi ride is maybe just getting rid of Kali, uh, Kilimanjaro Safaris and uh, <laughs> putting it back there. Yeah, because Africa and Asia are the same thing, and you know it's not the same. <laughs> uh, and I'm replacing all jungle treks with sing-alongs. So anybody that was that worried about sense. that, the the sing-alongs, uh, <laughs> we'll have a Jungle Book sing-along. We'll have a Tarzan sing-along. Oh, perfect. That'll that'll take up uh, those jungle trek areas. That's gonna blow your budget, though. What are those? Three hundred million a piece? Uh, well, yeah, I am having the people who built the Main Street Theater for me uh, build those, <laughs> and so we're looking at about five hundred million each on those. Gotcha. So your budget is around six billion. Something like that. Well, have you seen how much annual passes have gone up? I've expanded my budgets because they're going to be making a lot more money. <laughs> They've got all the uh, all the money in the world now to do this. So do you have kind of like a time frame? What, would, what do you want to see first? Do you strike when the iron's hot with Shang-Chi? I think you, you, you got to go Shang-Chi because, one, they need it. I think, yeah. you know, again, pull people away from Avatar. The way you do it is by putting something completely on the other side of the park from it. Uh, yeah. So that helps. Uh, but also because that character... 
is going to be in the upcoming Avengers movies. We're going to have another Shang-Chi, you know, movie, obviously based on the success of this first film. Uh, I think you've got to get that one in the park right away because everything else has a, a bit of history behind it. It's been there. You know, the, the other one I would counter is saying, you know, possibly the Avatar, but you're not in a major rush for Lion King. You're not in a major rush for the, the, the flat rides over I in think Dino Land. Helps, I, though. I mean, you could you could almost prioritize those, not to dismiss a Shang Chi thing, but yeah, I would possibly build those at the same time. Yeah. I would put yeah again because it's it's adding a couple road bumps uh, to people on yeah, the way back exactly. there to Asia. So I think you could easily just because I do think that's a super easy to put two flat rides in Chester and Hester's real fast, and by real fast, I mean it'll take three years for Disney to do that. But like your your bump from a Lion King ride or even a Pandora ride, it almost I guess Pandora you could time it with movie releases, but that's yep. not really a huge thing. No. A Lion King ride, uh, that bump is going to be the same if it's in 2025 or 2035. It's not really yep. going to yep. be materially different. And we've often said too when we discuss the IP integrations for things, it really is a year one marketing push. But yeah, the the other thing too, let's let's call it what it is. Disney's in the i uh, in the game of representation, and exactly. uh, there are not a lot of Asians represented in the parks in yep. the park attractions. But this is a significantly popular character, a movie that plays up nature, plays up animals being in control of things, and that is very much in line with the Disney Animal Kingdom. Uh, value that Joe Rody preaches the intrinsic the intrinsic and superior value of nature uh while it is not the sole focus of Shang-Chi it is a focus of that movie and I think uh not that much of a leap to play up that as part of a tie to the animal kingdom if they announced a Shang-Chi attraction for the animal kingdom tomorrow I would be overjoyed I think as somebody that is often protective of IPs going into parks like animal kingdom and Epcot I think this makes a ton of sense so. Yep, and uh, for anybody who has not seen this film yet, I can't encourage it enough. It's, it's fantastic. fantastic. It's one of the best Marvel films ever made. Uh, so get out there and see it. And I think you, you, I mean, I'm watching this film. I'm all caught up in the film, and this idea is popping in my head immediately, going, "Oh my god, oh, yeah, we're gonna see here. this!" And it, like it's happening. Like this is it's too perfect. And it, the the characters in this area is so well done. Is is you want to see it? It's kind of like what they were selling with Avatar. Like people want to go to Pandora. I I want to go to this section. I want to see yeah. these characters. I want to experience this. And I think a lot of people are going to be that way. It very well. I don't know that it's I'm perhaps overselling it, and it's hard to gauge it because we're talking about movies that came out in a pandemic. But I don't think it has the connection yet for places that people want to go like Pandora or Wakanda or, you know, pick your Star Wars planet or uh, yep. Harry Potter. But it absolutely is a world building environment that lends itself to at the absolute minimum a ride. Yep. And it's also very likely something that they're not uh, restricted on building in Florida. No, uh, we talk about the, uh, yeah. the, the Marvel contract. I don't believe there's any restrictions here. So uh, the uh, the last thing is I need to see Trevor Slattery represented in a theme park. Yep. Oh, he'll, uh, just imagine him giving the pre-show the the spiel. Oh, absolutely, the, the exactly same, what I said. The, the pre-show going, oh, you're gonna yeah, because he he does he essentially does that in the movie. He tells yeah. you the rules of going to this place. It's perfect, absolutely perfect. Yeah. Uh, Josh, the uh, character is played by uh, Ben Kingsley, uh, Trevor Slattery. And uh, we're not really uh, spoiling anything. He was a villain in Iron Man 3, but he was being paid by somebody to play the role of a villain and was really just kind of a, a lousy actor. 
And the villain that he was portraying is effectively the the villain in Shang-Chi. So he gets, uh, I guess, abducted by that villain. Sounds and complicated. It, it's complicated, but he, but he plays such a good comedic role in this. He's a And moron. the combination yep. of, him, <laughs> of him and uh, Aquafina as uh, – they're, they're not really even a comedy duo, but they provide the necessary moments of levity. And when uh, – we probably should have said spoiler alert talking about Shang-Chi. Uh, <laughs> when, when – oops. When he was uh, kind of revealed in the movie – I lost it. I, I, I just started cracking up immediately because he's such a goofy character. So uh, having him in the parks, it also is nice to see a park that does have kind of serious uh, undertones to it, leaning into some of that silliness that if you, and I'm going to talk about that. Uh, I guess I, and Ben, I don't mean to cut you off. Are you, are you done with yours? Uh, I am. I am done. Okay. Um, there's a lot of like serious undertones with the animal kingdom, but there's also some silliness there as well. So like at the end of Dinosaur, for example, they, they kind of leave it unresolved with an iguanodon roaming free in the park. Uh, and they're just there's no consequence to that. So adding some components like that, I think, add uh, an element to um, make things a little bit more lighthearted. So uh, I want to go kind of at the at the beginning here. Josh talked about. Uh, the restrictions that the park has. Uh, pretty much everything in the park has some sort of restriction to ride, be it a height requirement, motion sensitivity. Um, the exceptions are really only Navi River Journey and the Wildlife Express Train. So even Kilimanjaro Safaris, they say don't go on that if you're pregnant. So the the focus that I wanted here, I don't think it needs the thrill rides. Uh, we kind of had the same thing with Hollywood Studios. I want to add rides that have little to no restrictions to them. And the, the ride count is important here. Currently, the park has eight rides. When Primeval World was open in 2019, it had nine. And when I'm done 14 years later, it's going to have 10. So <laughs> it's, not a huge, it's not a huge jump, but I'm actually added, adding four things and taking away uh, – I'm, I'm taking away Primeval World, Triceratops Spin, and Cali River Rapids, as I suggested. But my approach is very similar to Ben's. We're kind of picking things up and putting them in different places, but uh, there's a lot of parallels across the board. So uh, rather than adding a new attraction to Pandora, I am expanding Flight of Passage. So that's the first thing that I'm doing. Uh, didn't know how to budget this. I said 25 to 50 million. And I do think that the structure and the design of the building would allow for it, where at the current Fast Pass and Standby merge point, build at least one additional theater with the loading ramps that are perpendicular to the existing loading ramps. And you can you can definitely do that. I mean, money makes all these things solvable, but there is room to at least add one, possibly two theaters there. And we've identified this is an underbuilt attraction. There is absolutely precedent for doing this. They did it with Soren, And I'd, I'd just like to see that. I know that adding additional attractions helps reduce uh, demand for something like this. But it's still a wildly popular attraction and a wildly inefficient attraction at that. So I think the way to address it uh, more thoroughly is to just add capacity to it. So that's step number one. The other thing uh, that Josh hit on was that stretch of land between Everest and Dinosaur or Dinoland. Uh, I'm getting rid of Finding Nemo the Musical. Uh, I'm getting rid of Dino Rama and uh, 
Ben, you you hit on my idea, but I'm moving it to the park that it belongs into. I'm spending $25 million to take Triceratops Spin over to Toy Story Land and putting <laughs> it to the right of Slinky Dog Dash and retheming it to Trixie's Triceratops Spin. That works. I mean, we've said that they should have had at least one more flat ride there. There is room to put that over to the right of uh, Slinky Dog Dash. I know we said we can't pick up and move attractions around, but there's precedent for this, so I'm I'm going to allow it as the uh, as the dictator of the rules. I say it's okay, but it's also something that uh, I can say that that doesn't count as my Animal Kingdom budget. That's my uh, Hollywood Studios budget, where I believe I was under budget. <laughs> so we're good. So I got, I got you guys on a technicality on both accounts. I like Tim's Enron accounting approach to getting <laughs> the show recorded. Doesn't count. Doesn't count. Jeff Fassbender. I mean, if you were smart, you would take your uh, – you could say that we've got that extra transportation show, and you could do a lot more in the parks than what you're spending money on. So it works out. (laughs) I just just skip all of that and never constrain myself to a budget. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, you guys both hit on it, though. That area, there's a ton of space. And what I'm going to do with it, one of them Josh hit on, I want an Omnimover, and I want it in or around the Dinorama footprint. Uh, my idea here, though, is an extinct animals dark ride, not a dinosaur dark ride. Um, initially, I was having this as a trackless idea, but then I, uh, I kind of leaned into the, um, the tour in Jurassic Park where uh, they say it's kind of a ride, you know, when they're doing like the Mr. DNA thing. And I want it to be a tour of the science facilities of the um, – the Dino Institute, and they're looking to clone animals uh, presented similar to the Jurassic Park movie. Hell, if you want to lean into uh, lean into it with like a host that's from it, like have Jeff Goldblum be a part of it by all means. But I think the idea of having like an animated figure like Mr. DNA or Miss Minutes as your guide explaining the pseudoscience cloning process, I think there also needs to be some scientists that are self-aware of the moral implications of all of this and perhaps even disagree with the idea of doing it. But I want it to be but, no. There's one, and they have a sort of social anxiety that prevents them from being able to do anything about it. Yeah. So you get, you have like you have one. Basically, I'm kind of <laughs> I'm kind of thinking almost like the husband and wife duo on Horizons, and I don't mean to be leaning into mm. Horizons. I don't want to say that this is a Horizons ride by any means, but I like that Omni Mover where it's uh, focusing on one direction and only the focusing band. on one direction for the most part. And the other reason for it is at the end of the attraction, you get to choose what extinct animal you want to create. And so, you know, pick your extinct animal, woolly mammoths, dodo, saber-toothed tiger, whatever. And you see a video of their creation. And the final scene, a video screen comes up and you see a large show scene where you and everybody else has created their their animal, and you've just got a bunch of animals uh, in animatronic form uh, layered in just a massive show scene, and the narrator looks in awe and concern, like, all right, now that we have all these animals, what the hell do we do with them? <laughs> and then the ride ends, kind of like the Iguanodon scene. That's kind of why I referenced that at the beginning, where you do this, and this is akin to what they do in Dinosaur, where it's kind of a serious ride until the very end where uh, you have Dr. Seeker that just lets a dinosaur loose in modern times. So in this case, we've now created a bunch of animals and are reintroducing them to the wild. So that's uh, ride number one. I uh, budgeted that uh, between 225 and 250 million. I think, Josh, your budget for that was roughly the same, right? Yeah. Okay. So the, uh, the next big thing is... My mythical animal area. And again, Ben, you had the same thought process of, all right, how do we lean into this? 
the you know, original- I, I learned the other day that narwhals are real. They are. <laughs> yeah, did not know that. There Just is keep, a keep that in mind as you enter the segment. There is an abandoned uh, building on the drive to uh, my daughter's daycare, and there is a marquee out front where you can kind of use those magnetic letters to create signs, and it just says narwhals, and we have no <laughs> idea why. But anyway. You gotta, wow, that w- – there's some sort of comedic genius behind that. You know, somebody's <laughs> I like, up. I have enough money to put up one sign, and I want to fuck with as many human brains as I possibly can. What, I crack what up I every time I sign? drive by it. It's great. Yep. <laughs> narwhals. Is there any punctuation there, or is it just narwhals? No, it just says narwhals. There's nothing it. else on the sign. just says narwhals. <laughs> Anyway, eighth wonder of the world. Yes. So, so going into that uh, mythical animal area, the original conceit of beastly kingdom was going to be a world where mystical and mythical things become a reality. We talk a lot about the fantastic becoming real and the real becoming fantastic. And I think we need to take a similar approach with the attractions that are now going into the mythical area. I'm putting mystic manor in here. I think while it uh, focuses on a real life monkey and or not a real life monkey, but it focuses on a monkey, (laughs) which is a real animal and uh, a a member of C uh, Lord Henry mystic. The attraction starts out where everything seems normal and then the supernatural happens. I mentioned that I'm getting rid of Cali River Rapids. I'm putting Mystic Manor uh, on the footprint of Cali River Rapids, but not the entrance point of Cali River Rapids. So kind of between the uh, Gibbon and Simang area and the walk over to Everest. So somewhere in there is where I'm going to put uh, Mystic Manor, but I'll talk about that momentarily. The one thing I want to do first that I think can be addressed pretty early on is on episode 27, I had my pitch for the nighttime show, and it was in that uh, that lagoon, a Rivers of Light replacement, and it was a mythical animal pitch. So it's going to be home to that area. I am redistricting Expedition Everest to that mythical animal area. And rather than call it Beastly Kingdom, because I think Beastly Kingdom uh, has a name, has a meaning to fans, and while not quite the same as shifting Fast Pass to a paid thing, I think it means something to uh, people. Call it the call it, say it. Fast Pass Plus to Lightning Lane, Genie. Thank Plus? you. Okay. All right. I just anyway, want you to feel stupid for having to use um, <laughs> their trademark terminology. Individual attraction system or service or whatever it is. Anyway. Ugh. So I don't want to call it Beastly Kingdom, and uh, th- this might be cringeworthy, but I don't really care. I'm going to call it Beastly Seaport, and uh, the S E and A. Uh, that's pretty rough. Uh, uh, and and the S E and A are capitalized. In terms of uh, uh, Disney naming in the last decade, uh, that's clearly the best name. So uh, screw you guys. Well, it's not the worst. We can yes. agree on that. I'm not. I'm not willing to put it at the top of the heap, but it's not the worst thing they've come up with. So so as part of this, uh, I mentioned Mystic Manor. Uh, Expedition Everest. Um, I, I think a. I don't even know that you really need to change the the story of the attraction at all. But you could, if you wanted to, you could say that there is an explorer and t- tie in something loosely for Expedition Everest. Um, but I mentioned where Mystic Manor is going to go. Uh, that's uh, going to be part of this beastly seaport. And then the other thing will be on the right of Expedition Everest. Uh, in that large area, you've got the waterway for the backstage um, rivers of light floats, uh, but on the footprint of Finding Nemo, that's where I'm going to put the Talo from Shangxi or Shangxi boat ride, and I'm going to do that uh, using Shanghai Pirates Tech because I'm going to keep on saying it, and eventually it'll come, it'll make its way into the parks. The potential problem I see, and Josh, again, you haven't seen the movie, but the entry to this Talo area is through a bamboo forest 
with really tall bamboo shoots and it kind of opens up perfectly for you at the uh, right amount of time. Mm. You could easily do a bamboo queue, but it might ruin the scale of Everest. So to find a way to do that where uh, you are guided. Go ahead. Bring Broyhill in as a sponsor. They are experts at Wicker. Okay. As long as we're guided by Trevor Slattery in the queue, then uh, then I'm on board. But I want to see the Shanghai Pirates tech used for the Shangxi ride. Uh, there's also something, and Josh, you're a little bit more familiar with ride systems than I am. I recall seeing a, a ride system for a roller coaster that had a sideways drop as opposed to you know just a, a forward drop. Mm-hmm. Do you know if there's anything like that for water rides? No clue. And if not, I'm sure it can be invented. But I mean, you know, there's been a few companies that have tried to innovate. Uh, I think you mentioned on the last episode that you rode X2 out at Magic Mountain. Yep. And I think that was yep. Aero Development's last foray into roller coasters. Uh, that's the problem with being an innovator in that space is that if you screw up, you're basically betting the company on a new design. So there's, there's sure. a lot of resistance to doing that. But I don't know if what you're describing exists. Having you I built like a ride idea. like that, having you built a ride like that in year like forty five hundred of roller coaster tycoon or something, whatever. <laughs> possibly, possibly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, when's the when are we get the next zoo tycoon update, buddy? It's been a while. I've been you know <laughs> no, occupied with real life. No, no, no. We're good. We're good. This is a, this is a grassy staple. You've got to <laughs> dig into this every once in a while. October first, in lieu of doing a fiftieth anniversary show, I'm just going to do a zoo tycoon episode. Maybe next April Fools. I'll just do. Uh, I'll do three hours. I'll do a, 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 a quick three hours. Well, on I was going to say a short show. <laughs> so uh, that's where I'm. I'm going to put the Shangxi ride as part of Beastly Seaport, and that's going to be to the right of Everest. Mystic Manor is going to be kind of on the pathway between Anandapur and Everest. Uh, the other thing here, and I know this is playing up to uh, to Ben. But I am adding Adventurers Club or something more or less Adventurers Club, whether it shares that name or not. I think a beastly kingdom-esque area with a, an area like that that has a Society of Explorers and Adventurers members in it as a dinner show, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I want to see it in the park. And I could see this also being a rather large venue where – Find the mistakes of be our guest, um, perhaps targeted at uh, at adults more than uh, than kids. But you can have it be a two hundred uh, guest facility, like be our guest is. I'm not sure what the overall capacity is, but it's it's a that's one of the bigger dining uh, venues. You can make this a huge dining venue. Have it be booze. Have it be food. But that area of the park, there isn't really a lot from a food standpoint within like half a mile of Expedition Everest. So I want to put this somewhere between Mystic Manor and Expedition Everest on my map. I I like that idea just because a year after it opens, we'll get a story from Corliss that it's closing down. Uh, <laughs> and then the day later, we'll get an update from the from the parks blog that it's just going to be reopened. Seven. It's, it's going to be rides. reopened as a reimagined Adventurers Club uh, which means no actors. It'll just be a counter service place and you can sit down and eat because they don't want to pay uh, any uh, equity actors in there. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the way, equity actors are returning to Finding Nemo the Musical. Um, just three, to of, be three of them are. Yeah. That's all they need. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I also it's gonna, think it's going to be the two singers like at Frozen Sing Along. Yeah. Uh, saying in front of a big digital screen that'll tell us the story of Finding Nemo. Perfect. That works. <laughs> 
Uh, I do think that as you, um, so Everest is part of Asia, even though it's not part of like the original hub of Asia, that the beastly kingdom concept initially was the European mythological animals. And whether this is true or not, it seems that there's a, a, a desire to stay away from those because of Harry Potter. So leaning into the Asian mythology of mythological animals uh, allows them to make for a pretty easy transition, excuse me, from the Asia section of the park to that mythological area. And I've, uh, I've got budgets of the, uh, Talo attraction at 300 350 million. I said 250 for Mystic Manor earlier as well. And I said 25 million for an Adventurers Club venue. Uh, I don't know what Disney spends on restaurants, but uh, I would hope it's not much more than 25 million. Well, the, we could talk about Space 220. I'm pretty sure that's going to tip the scale. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they are building an elevator to space, it's going 220 miles. Yeah, that's just that's over that's a 500 lot of, feet tall. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a lot of uh, structural steel, and they can only take so much from Primeval World. So, the uh, the last piece of what I'm doing here, and I went into it in greater detail in episode 26, is my Asian safari using the uh, Doppelmeyer gondolas. Uh, this was a David Thacker question, and I initially wanted to do this and rise above Cali River Rapid, but instead I'm going to wipe out Cali River Rapid and or Cali River Rapids put Mystic Manor on that plot as well as the Asian Safari to utilize the full scope of that large space that uh, that Ben talked about. But the biggest change I want to make from my original episode 26 proposal is that the gondolas will have two options, a round trip or a one-way trip to Rafiki's Planet Watch. And this kind of goes to what Josh was saying about mm-hmm. uh, different approaches, different mindsets if, you've go- if you're going on a one-way trip or not. And I know that getting people to Rafiki's Planet Watch via the train has generally not been enough of a draw to get people back there. So by having it be another safari, which is a wildly popular attraction, doing it that way to get people back there very well may be the approach. And the way that these gondola systems are set up, you can actually – so if you like look at the entrance to um, Hollywood Studios – you very clearly have gondolas going in two separate directions, coming and going to the park. In this case, I figure you could have them all going the same direction, but it's just a big circle. And the interior loop might be the round-trip loop. The exterior loop might be the one-way loop. And then when you're in Rafiki's Planet Watch, you can hop back on and get the rest of the attraction. So mm-hmm. that was uh, the biggest difference. If you did like the idea of an Asian safari, I go into it in greater detail in episode 26. I did have a couple of honorable mentions, just things that I wanted to touch upon. I, ben, I really do like your Lion King idea, but I think that a replacement for It's Tough to Be a Bug is in order. But I also think considering the location of that show, you're kind of hamstrung significantly. Mm-hmm. So unless it's another bug-based show or perhaps like a – uh, National Geographic show that's just ever evolving. There isn't really an obvious choice there. And then you mentioned Jungle Book. Uh, I had that as a possible Cali River Rapids footprint replacement. And then I saw Shang-Chi and thought about Mystic Manor and that just got bumped off. I like the Jungle Book movie, but I don't know that it's enough to uh, to jump ahead of the line over any of these other things. I think everything you mentioned, I put above it as well. I had tough to be a bug uh, down for wanting to do something there uh, as well, but I actually like tough to be a bug. Um, 
I, I like that theater. I think it's just really cool inside there, and it is very specific to that film, uh, mm-hmm. which does make changes difficult. But the one thing I think they could do, uh, and they're obviously doing it over with Philhar Magic, adding the the scene uh, from Coco, is I do think that film could go for a major reanimation. Oh yeah, sure. Uh, and just just update it. I think you could keep the same show, same effects, everything, but just bring the animation levels up to what we're used to now. I think there's a bit of a blurriness to it that is just oh, it's, it's showing its age. But I, you know, I was in there this last trip with an absolutely full theater, and it was still getting all of the reactions that it's supposed to get. It gets the laughs, it gets the scares. Uh, it still does its job for what it is. So sure. uh, I don't think it would cost much at all to, to, well, I say that, you know, I don't know what animating a 12 minute film actually costs when it comes down to, you know, the whole process of creating a film like that. But, uh, you know, I think that could be all we would necessarily need in there and, and just kind of bring that up to the level of animation that we're accustomed to these days. Sure. Sure. No, I, I think it's, it's something that, whether you uh, just do a refresh of the film, whether you stick with A Bug's Life, but do a different film based around A Bug's Life, any of those things would work. But the the concept of the show, I think, works and fills a need in that park where you're talking about bugs, you're talking about uh, smaller things that would live in the roots of trees. So it's fitting. And any replacement to it would not be as good a fit yeah. Uh, in that theater as a bug's life. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all for refreshing it. I don't know that it's 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 a thing to do when you're there. It's certainly not a draw. And I don't even know that a uh, like a National Geographic inspired show would be a draw either. It would just be mixing it up. So it's not bothering anybody that it's there, which is why I didn't really focus too much time on it. But I thought that it should at least be acknowledged. So uh, my timetable... I wanted to do a Rivers of Light replacement early. I wanted to do Flight of Passage replacement, or, or not replacement, but uh, update early. And then my first thing was the Talo ride and or the Extinct Animals Dark ride, because I think that area, that section needs to be addressed pretty quickly. Uh, Dinorama, uh, especially. You could, you could do the Extinct Animals Dark ride first and then give Finding Nemo its brief stay of execution and then make Corliss right for, you know, you, you get them uh, incorrect for, for a little bit and then finally replace it. But I think it, it the next major attraction announced for the Animal Kingdom, at this point, I would be very surprised if it isn't Shang-Chi and there is no definitive rumor. It just seems way too obvious. And I definitely hope that this jumps ahead of any possible Zootopia rumor that's yep. out there yep. because it is so much a better fit, uh, so much more better fit. I don't know what the correct terminology is. I'm tired, <laughs> but it is a substantially better fit than Zootopia is concept wise. Yep. I agree. And then downstream, I had Mystic Manor and Asian Safari opening 10, 10 and 14 years later to discount these things. I think there is less than a 5% chance that Disney ever adds a substantial animal attraction like an Asian safari ever again. I think they are yeah, I agree. still in the blackfish mindset that they might tweak Kilimanjaro safaris uh, and add a show scene here or there, but adding a substantial additional attraction like an Asian safari, like I want them to do, I just don't see it happening. I, you know, I think they sort of punched above their weight class because they ended up, Disney is not a, zoology company no 
You know, I mean, SeaWorld is more about aquatic life than Disney is about animals. Sure. And I think now Disney's kind of stuck with it. You know, there's there's no alt control Z on this. There's no undo. They're 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 stuck with this, and I agree they're not gonna double down on it. But let's let's just kind of hypothetically play this out. The assumption is they're gonna put something in Dinorama, whether it's Ben's build out of a bunch of flat rides, which isn't which out of be. place. I mean, it is not a place, though. Maybe not necessarily with the Chester and Hester's theme. It's only not at a place because what's net there now sucks. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> I am more in favor of an Omni Mover. I think a Shang Chi ride is definitely something that they would consider, and perhaps the way to get back to that plot is like an Indiana Jones type queue for a singular attraction, uh, where you have that very narrow pathway that gets you outside of the um, uh, the berm for. Uh, for for the park in this case, it's just str- uh, kind of skirting that narrow area between Cali River Rapids and Maharaja Jungle Trek. But I think it is if we're going to discount these things by twenty thirty five, I think a Shang Chi ride, even though there's no definitive rumor, is probably the likeliest of all of them. I would say something on the footprint in Dinorama is also quite likely. And I don't think Mystic Manor is that far-fetched if they were to ever bring it stateside. I, I don't think it's that far-fetched for the Animal yeah. Kingdom either. But I also love the idea and think that this is – if the Avatar movies uh, that follow in the next uh, seven years are 75% as successful as the first one, adding a third attraction to Avatar, certainly not out of the realm of possibility. And you guys all know that I love that ride system that Ben talked about for 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. and. Uh, adding a Lion King attraction next to that theater was something that they should have done at the outset of yeah. relocating that theater. So all of these things that were mentioned, uh, I think, are very likely under consideration, even though they're 100% blue sky on this show. Kind of sounds uh, with like the exception you- of- it kind of sounds like you think I have all the best ideas again. So cool. <laughs> well, so many of ours kind of paralleled each other. I win. And I'm just, I, I said them first, though. So I think you just piggybacked off my great ideas. I am uh, selfishly asking for an Asian safari, which as I, said, <laughs> I, don't, I just don't think it's going to happen. I, I think that we're going to be, do- be doing a build out of Disney Springs, and, and Jim's going to bring up, uh, and <laughs> we're going to have an Asian safari in, in Animal Kingdom. Like, where did that come from? You're going to get I it think, one of these days. I think best hope for something like that would be a modification to Maharaja Jungle Trek to add more Asian animals to it. I don't think you're going to see a ride. And that just from an investment standpoint is significantly lower. But uh, the angle that I took of making it a possible one-way attraction to uh, Rafiki's Planet Watch, that's been a long-standing problem with that park. Yeah. And short uh, the way the way I got there is I thought about can we make the train – be a bigger loop. And I said, why Why does the train have to be that loop? Let's use the gondolas that uh, I want to use for the ride system anyway. But I think uh, it should be pointed out that none of us touched Rafiki's Planet Watch, which is kind of cool. I, th- I think it's easier to just close it, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, but I, th- I, like some, I, I would like to see some updates maybe back there. But I think the, the reason it's there and the thought and the idea behind it uh, deserves to keep it there. Like I, I, I do like going back there. I don't go back there very often, but when I do go back there, I enjoy myself back there. And 
Uh, I know my kids really enjoy it. And again, it's a park that lacks a lot of stuff for kids to do. Uh, so I, I, I always hesitate taking something out there, but I also don't think we need to, I think, that, like you said, there were better ideas. Everybody wants to shoehorn Zootopia back there, which is pretty opposite of what I hate that this idea. I park really is what about. So, you know, I think we're, you know, better to stay with, with, with what's there and find other spots that you can build out and you keep that small sliver of, uh, you know, land that is completely, dedicated to the health and the care and conservation of animals still alive in that park. I think I go out to Rafiki's Planet Watch in the same way that I approach Hall of Presidents. I go once every presidential administration. I think it's about every every uh, four to eight years is my visit out there, and that's about it. It's a reasonable range. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Uh, I think that's going to wrap this show. I'm sorry it's not going to be a two-hour and 45-minute show, but uh, we, we don't know what we're going to get. It's possible that my audio <laughs> is the first hour, then Ben's is the next hour, and Josh's is the third hour. But if you have any questions or topic ideas, you can email us at martycalled at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter under the username at Marty Called or join in on the discussions in our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash Marty Called. We'd also appreciate our listeners bookmarking our Amazon affiliate link over on martycalled.com. There are less than 100 shopping days left before Christmas, and my Amazon wish list is full of items you can buy for me. Be sure to go through our Amazon affiliate link, and it's like I get two gifts. Ben, where can we find you online? You can find me on Twitter uh, at backside underscore water. Uh, you can find my top 10 columns in every issue of Attractions Magazine. And all of the underwear that I want uh, coming up is on my Amazon wish list. So go buy them for me. We'll put those in the show notes, my list, uh, Ben's list. Josh, do you have an Amazon wish list? Uh, I do not. Do you have an Amazon with two O's wish list? <laughs> I do. Amazon. <laughs> Amazon wish list? <laughs> Microsoft's not suing me for trademark infringement. Nice work. Where can we find you online? utilidoors.com that's two O's the extra O's for saving but we do have some exciting clothing on there iPhone cases Android cases scarves I think I have a brooch on there a beautiful brooch so all kinds of exciting things to, to wet your whistle you really know what the kids like I do I'm tapped into the children what, wait a minute actually can we edit that on post nope nope that's staying in damn it you can find me at WDW Theme Parks on Twitter and WDWThemeParks.com. And Thanks for the for record, to everybody. Nope, I'm not, I, I'm, I gotta, I gotta no, save my outro. No, I've it, never it, tapped into a child, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> all it's gonna say is me talking over you, and you just said I tapped into a child, except now I just said it. Now I really didn't say it. All right, we shouldn't make these jokes. Thanks for listening. Have a good one. Bye. Good night. Turn <laughs> Ferguson.
too. You, uh, yeah. How's your son? You guys having fun together? You doing? Oh, uh, yeah. We went to Disney World last week oh, in Florida. Florida. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that place is great, man. Yeah. There are all these char- like goofies there and Mickey Mouse <laughs> and Pluto <laughs> and uh, Chip and Dale. Yeah, oh, Chip and Dale. Sure. Yeah, they're all there. And they don't like wander around like they used to. No? They, they keep them in like one place and you have to line up to get uh, and even give autographs. You know, <laughs> the hell you want an autograph from? <laughs> so, you, know, you get an autograph from a bitter college student making four bucks an hour. You know? <laughs> but I didn't stand in line. That was an hour line to get an yeah. autograph from one of these guys. So I, I uh, what I did is I got autographs from some of the characters that my kids weren't aware of that yeah. were at Disneyland. Like I got an autograph from a security man guy. Oh, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> Mr. Popcorn Stand. You know, like <laughs> they had a weird thing in that thing. There was a guy was uh, taking a picture with his kid, yeah. and how Goofy was there, you know? Or no, it was Mickey, Mickey Mouse. Right. And uh, Mickey Mouse was taking a picture with a little two-year-old, and the, the two-year-old's father was taking the picture, and the kid, like, slipped out of Mickey's hands and fell down, and uh, fortunately, Mickey has giant shoes, so it protected the child from right. smashing into the concrete. Right. And it hit it. He bounced off the shoe, you know? And then there was bedlam. Everybody was, like, scared and everything, and everybody was worried and yelling. And meanwhile, Mickey has this big smile on his face. <laughs> He doesn't know you can't change his expression, you know? All you can do is like go. <laughs> and I took him to Animal Kingdom. They have a new thing. Have you heard about the yeah, Animal the, Kingdom? Real animals, that what it is? Real animals, unbelievable. It's like in Africa, not in Africa, but it's they make it look like Africa. <laughs> And uh, they, uh, all the animals, they're real animals. They're not like fake animals right. from like Disney World. And uh, which is the problem with it, because you got your little five-year-old, and uh, the problem with all the real animals is you got to look at the giant animal penises all over the place. And I never thought of it that it's way. It's horrible. Yeah. That's one way of They should do it like the Disney World, put a pair of pants on them. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody wants to see that. That would be my first concern. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, I would think the kid would want autographs. Especially the giraffe. The giraffe, yeah. Holy Lord almighty. <laughs> never seen anything like it. You try to explain it. You try to explain it the best you can to my little five-year-old. Yeah. I'm going like, that's his trunk. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want them to know that real animals are all dirty. <laughs> <laughs> Those real animals, I think all they want is dirty, dirty sex. Yeah. 